Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Sue, and thanks for tuning in. Today, I have with me crew members Grace. Hey, everybody. And Jara. Except for Jara, but not actually a human, because I have been surgically altered to appear like a uh, Slovene from Doctor Who. <laughs> wow, wait, that's real commitment. I mean, you got a bunch of life-altering surgery done just for this episode? No, I just woke up like this. <laughs> oh. Aren't the Slovene the farting aliens? Yes, they were. Yes, they were the farting aliens. I believe they are the farting aliens. That is the only part of my identity that is not in crisis right now. <laughs> oh, dang. We're going to have to do a lot of sound editing on Jira's end, aren't we? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm a regular human with regular digestion today. <laughs> today. <laughs> Regularity is good. Oh. Prune juice. It's a warrior's drink. <laughs> Wow, this is like the most toilet humory episode we ever started. Okay, sorry. Two minutes in and we're already off the rails. Well, today <laughs> we are eventually going to be talking about the episodes uh, Face of the Enemy from TNG and Second Skin from DS9. But first... Oh my god, you also made a butt joke? <laughs> really taking down the class levels here, guys. This is what happens when we record after 9 p.m. <laughs> I'm shocked it wasn't me who did it, though. So Women at Work, we are completely supported and funded by our listeners. And over at Patreon, you can help us out by giving as little as a dollar a month. And it gets you access to some special patron-only content. And all of that support goes into hosting fees, uh, convention fees, having things uh, printed for, for material distribution, Etc. Etc. And that allows us to keep the show up and running. You will also receive our special patron love that we only give to patrons. It's just a tiny notch up from regular love. But but it's better. You know it's better. <laughs> and if you have a few spare minutes, we also ask that you review us, rate and review us on iTunes or apparently as it's called now, Apple Podcasts. Both Jara and Grace will be at Star Trek Las Vegas coming up at the beginning of August. Damn right. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll be putting more details out on our Facebook page, uh, but at the moment it looks like we're probably going to be sharing a table with Priority One, the other one of the other two fabulous Roddenberry podcasts. Uh, so we'll have a space in the vendor's room to talk to listeners about the show. So that's pretty exciting. Awesome. And I will be at Dragon Con Labor Day weekend, and it's looking like New York Comic Con in October. So that is the convention schedule as of right now. Do we have any other announcements? Uh, well, in a couple of weeks, I guess a month from the time you are listening to this podcast, we will be putting out our next book club episode. So it's not too late if you want to cram the book. It's not the longest read ever. It's The World of Deep Space Nine, Volume 1, uh, with a story on Cardassia and a story on Andor just post Deep Space Nine. So if you want to join our book club for that, uh, you can grab a copy of that book um, and head over to Goodreads and search for Women at Warp and you'll find our book club to join the discussion. And you will find our Goodreads. Ah. Where the reads are good. But where the reading's not so great, really. <laughs> Excellent. I think that's all the announcements we have. All right. So let's jump right in. Okay, so we're so we're crawling out of our 
our, you know, space beds. We're kind of groggy. We're wandering over to the bathroom, maybe to throw a little water in our faces and <gasps> mirrors. What do we yes. see in them? <laughs> yeah, both of these episodes start off, well, almost start off with the woman character looking in a mirror and getting kind of shocked to realize they look like a totally different alien. I feel like a totally different alien every time I see my reflection first thing in the morning, too, to be <laughs> fair. But but with this, it's like a legit thing. Like, they have both been surgically altered to look like a different species. Yeah, so we've talked, I think, about Face of the Enemy a couple of times a little bit in the past. We talked about it in our TNG episode and our Romulan women episode. And I... So, like, do you want to start with Second Skin? Sure. To sure, take a little bit it. of a... Deeper look. So this was this is the episode where uh, Kira it basically gets a shocking transmission from Bajor that says you are actually in this Cardassian prison camp, and she says I don't know what you were talking about. And then on her way to Bajor to investigate, she's abducted. She wakes up on Cardassia, and it seems like she might actually be Cardassian. She's told that she was basically put in like a deep undercover mission brainwashed to make herself think that she was Bajoran and that she's going to be given treatment to recover her memories that she's actually a Cardassian agent and then used to basically spill all the information she's gained as Kira since then to rat on the Federation. So that's the, that's basically the plot there. Mm-hmm. She was in deep, deep, deep cover. Yes. At what point does it stop being deep cover though and just start being ridiculous? That's one thing I always get I start wondering every time I'm involved in reading some kind of spy-based media. It's like, how many double crosses is too many? Yeah, well, I mean, okay. Um, So I didn't really... I had not seen this episode for a really long time, possibly since the first time it aired, and I really enjoyed it. Um, And I think... So, you know, Kira is told that she is Ileana Gamor, who's the daughter of this legate, and... The Legate himself really believes that she's his daughter. And if you were watching this through the first time, at least I felt like I would have not been sure what was happening. I wouldn't have been sure if she really was. That'd be a very entertaining way to do this, to have this be the first episode of Deep Space Nine that someone else watches, and then they have to watch through all the Kira arcs and be kind of like, how much of this is real? No, even if it's not the first episode. I mean, this is early on. Yeah. Early yeah. enough, yeah. I don't know if I would have believed that at that time Star Trek would make such a drastic change to one of its main characters. Because that's a huge shift for that one character from being, you know, a resistance fighter slash terrorist to being the one of the race that she would fight against. <laughs> Saska. <laughs> well. Yeah. Yeah. But she wasn't a principal. This was also significantly earlier. Well, this could have been Sweeps Week, for all we know, and as we know, (laughs) Sweeps Week makes fools of us all. But, like, this is still in the era of TV where, like, for the most part, you know that your main characters are going to be back to normal by the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. More or less, yeah. Well, we did have a comment from Lydia on Facebook who said, Second Skin is an incredible episode. I remember the first time I watched it, I kept thinking, but what if it's true? And to see Kira struggle with the dread and uncertainty surrounding her identity was really gripping. And for her to find some common ground with 
Gamore was a nice and unexpected turn of events. This is still one of my favorite episodes. And then she uh, says that she also really wondered what actually happened to Ileana Gamore, which, good question, um, and says she didn't want to spoil it, but she plays a major role in a long arc in the relaunch novels. So that's exciting, and I look forward to discovering that when I get to it. It's another Star Trek discovery for us to look forward to. Yes, yet again, one of those things where you're like, I wish this had happened. Oh, it did in the novels. Good. Something. (laughs) I just love, uh, this episode is just so, so good. I enjoy it so much, um, both in the aspect that we really do get to see uh, Nana Visitor get to sort of stretch her chops, doing a wide emotional range, but also it's kind of our Star Trek equivalent of the Manchurian candidate. And I just really like that in concept alone. And again, it's just very well done in the sense that you're walked through so much of the episode with that. It could really be real. You're it's not too outlandish considering the other things you've seen in Star Trek. And it's just a very interesting what if that we get just from the concept of this episode. Yeah, I mean, one thing, one way that this one differs from Face of the Enemy is that there's definitely this kind of gaslighting aspect, which someone else oh, brought, brought up yeah. on Facebook, um, where they're trying to convince her of something that she knows is in her heart is not true. And um, you can see how difficult it is for her to maintain, given all this overwhelming evidence that the Obsidian Order has manufactured to try to change her mind. So this whole idea of someone trying to convince you that you're crazy for believing what you know to be true. Which is a scary concept in and of itself um, to see play out on screen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really effective. And you have, you know, to Kenny Gamora, who's her dad you know her fake dad and uh the obsidian order is trying to get to him because uh by like playing off his loyalty to his country to his loyalty to his daughter and even though he ends up being wrong they uh you know he is protecting her because he can see something like his daughter in her right and then through him she gets to realize Um, Another way that, like, not all Cardassians are alike, because he's another figure who's a dissident and wants things to be better on Cardassia and doesn't believe that, like, the occupation was the right thing. Which is very cool that we get uh, through this story, that turnaround for both a character that we have really established and whose characters are really firmly set. And we get to still see this mini arc for this character that's being introduced. It's cool that we get to see that double arcage. Well, and in both of these episodes, we have the the our main character being used as a piece in a larger scheme, right? Mm-hmm. The main difference here is that you know they're still they're trying to trick Kira and convince her of something that is false, to, to and that's how they want to get her to play along because they're not trying because they're trying to manipulate the people around her with Troy she gets the full story right off the bat. This is mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. This is why we needed you. And they're both trying to further a cause. But in face of the enemy, we are seeing the, the I guess, resistance. I don't remember if they call it the resistance. But, you know, a faction within the Romulan culture or government that is pushing for reunification. Yeah, the dissident movement. Right, that's, there you go. 
I think they actually call them dissidents in both because I watched them right after each other. And I remember being sort of struck by that, that they used the actual same language for uh, Gamora's people who believed that the uh, the uh, uh, Obsidian Order and stuff had too much power uh, or the military had too much power. The Obsidian Order, um, I think, and uh, and uh, Spock's people who believe in the Vulcan Romulan reunification. So, I mean, in face of the enemy, our our main character is being used to for the agenda of the group that Star Trek would have us believe is correct, whereas mm-hmm. in Deep Space Nine, it's the opposite. Well, and Kira certainly um, has a lot less of an active role to play. Like, mm-hmm. her role in the episode is really just resisting this sort of attempted gaslighting. Right. Um, she, you know, she's very dependent for her ultimate rescue on Takeni Gamora uh, ha- having faith in her as his daughter or even just a good person. And also in the actions of a bunch of dudes who are lovely and it's a fun subplot, but just, uh, you know, comment on the situation that it's uh, basically uh, Cisco and Garrick and O'Brien. Bashir, it's O'Brien. I just watched this thing. You'd think I'd remember this. Um, you, it's hard but... to remember the parts without Kira. It does feel yeah. very damsel in distress, though, especially at the end. No, it didn't. No, I don't feel like it felt like she was waiting for a man to rescue her. But it just is a, a comment on, you know, we t- the other week we did an episode on sexual agency. This would just be straight character agency. That's not sexual per se, but it's just about, like, how much ability does she have to act in this plot and she isn't really like a, a main person driving the action see that's why i feel like she is a damsel in distress right she's mm-hmm. not she's not necessarily waiting to be rescued but mm-hmm. she's not doing anything to further her own departure mm-hmm. and then the guys show up and rescue her also with both these episodes there is such a sense of violation right off the bat outside of agency mm-hmm. just that both these women are are kidnapped essentially and are physically altered like surgically without their permission mm-hmm. is really freaking scary. I mean, that's one thing that I can never really get over with either of these episodes. They're just kind of like, Oh, I've been surgically altered into another species. That's an inconvenience. And I would be losing my mind. I mean, body dysmorphia it looks scary as hell and that's just kind of like well this this is happening now i guess i'll get over it and that's one thing that always bothers me in a lot of like media and this is going way back to my early anime days anytime you saw like a body swap anime people were like oh no oh this is just downright inconvenient for me it's like no that's horrifying i would why are you not just shrieking constantly what the Oh my gosh, uh, it's just weird how it's under how the body horror aspect of this is so underplayed. Yeah, for sure. Um, can you maybe explain a bit more for our listeners about like what body dysmorphia is for people who aren't familiar with the term? There are different types of body dysmorphia. Um, one of the more common forms is gender dysmorphia. I think is the term for it, where you are in the body you were born with does not feel like the body you are supposed to have. It's kind of common with the trans folk and it's, it's a constant 
pain and discomfort kind of from looking at your body and from knowing you don't have the body that you believe is yours. There are also cases um, in the psychological and mental health community where there uh, are people who will fixate on parts of their body that just don't feel right to them. It's um, considered in some circles anorexia is considered a form of a body dysphoria. There are also extreme cases where people will feel like they have an alien limb or a body part that is just there but doesn't belong to them. And looking into it, and like I said, it's scary stuff, and it's stuff that happens to real people. And again, it never just really sits all that right every time I see it, just kind of like, up, oh, different body, different day. It chaps the mm-hmm. ass a bit there. Yeah, um, we had another Facebook comment that um, I know is like uh, from Becky, who um, is, you know, being funny, but also pointing out something creepy, I think intentionally, which is uh, not to be too indelicate here, but has she had plastic surgery all over or do Cardassians and Majorans have the same things in their pants and that she and Troy can be returned to looking precisely as they did before with ease boggles the mind too. If plastic surgery is this easy in the future, people would be doing it as casually as they change their hair color in our times. Well, this and the episode with, um, that involves going undercover as Klingons just raises the question of, Oh, is it that easy? You can just kind of swap. Well, at least they got to choose when they were undercover as Klingons. Yeah, definitely a better case there, but I'm just wondering, can you swap species superficially like that? And if so, does that mean we've got, like, a bunch of Vulcan Rachel DeLazels out in space, like, talking oh, about how we're just so in tune with the Vulcan way, you know? Just... Well, you have, like, that one blonde Romulan. Yeah. <laughs> non, Maybe not that was her... with the other guy. <laughs> Maybe that was his deal. Who knows? He just kind of showed up and was like, no, this feels like my place. You know, I, oh, I grew up in a house without a replicator. I don't have an understanding of these people the same way humans do. I'm just a part of this at heart. Yeah, I feel like certainly Troy and Kira would have had to go to the bathroom at least once. <laughs> and it is hard to believe that. Yeah, and it's hard to believe that this you would isn't look my exactly crotch, the no! same. Just like below the neck. So I just really quickly want to clarify the difference between body dysmorphia oh, okay. and yep. gender dysphoria. Ah. Because they're slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um. So gender dysphoria is what you were talking about at the very beginning of feeling that your body is quote unquote wrong for the gender that you actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And body dysmorphia is feeling like uh, you're, there's a part of your body that needs to be fixed right. in some way. And, uh, body dysmorphia is actually categorized as an anxiety disorder mm-hmm. that really is what causes the attention or the focus on a specific area of of the body yeah and it's supposed to be like perceiving your body to be different than it actually is mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. That, so that's, that's like where people perceive themselves to be heavier than they are or skinnier than they are or wrong in a certain way mm-hmm. anyway it is um it's fascinating and like this you know this issue not only is it like kind of creepy to think about that you know, it would be violating to have that happen to you. But it's interesting to think of this idea that Becky raised about if plastic surgery is so easy, what would that do to our culture? Because already, you know, since the, you know, 1980s, there's been a really dramatic shift in the acceptance of plastic surgery and cosmetic procedures. And there are certainly some like medical reasons that people get 
procedures that would be considered plastic surgery, uh, but there are a lot of non-medical reasons and there's been a lot of concern um, among different feminist groups for different reasons um, around like, are we, you know, are women having dangerous things performed on themselves to basically just make themselves unnaturally appealing or try to, you know, adhere to this unnatural beauty ideal. And if so, and if that's within our capabilities in the future, how are the impossible beauty ideals going to expand? How are they going to get even less believable? My brain goes in so many different directions because the, the first thing that came to mind is the idea of, well, if everybody has it, then nobody has it. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe it becomes so available that it's just not a thing anymore. Or maybe in this vision of the future, we have moved past these beauty standards. Yeah, but it's hard to argue that we've moved, that we're showing a, a future where we've moved past beauty standards, but everyone that we see on screen is at least a seven or higher. Well, and there's wise. also a salon that yeah. we see our, our women <laughs> well, characters in more And than Dabo once. Girls, yeah. and Riker Sex Kittens created by Q, and Holodeck Babes, and Holodeck Babes um, who are men as well. So, right. like, there's certainly, Star Trek has its, has its fair share of reinforcing the same beauty standard, oh, because sure. it's a show made in our time. So, it's it's kind of hard to say, but it's interesting to think about, and I think that's, you know, I, th- I like that way of thinking about it, is maybe if everyone could do it, then it would lose some of the exciting class novelty. (laughs) But, I mean, in-universe, it's reasonable to believe that this technology exists. If we just look at our medical technology, you know, you can heal burns and cuts and scrapes immediately. That's basically reconstructive surgery, right? So it's Mm -hmm. reasonable to believe that that the technology exists in-universe, Maybe we never hear anybody say it. Maybe it's banned in the, among the Federation and they're not supposed to do it. That'd be strange, wouldn't it, though, to ban cosmetic surgery, but to consider yourself like a bastion of freedom of choice and societal expression. But to choose to limit that would be very strange because there are. Well, they banned genetic engineering, so maybe right. they saw it as a slippery slope. Well, that would be really strange. Wouldn't or that? maybe it's it's an ethics discussion debate. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But like, does the risk justify the decision or like a medical? Yeah, like a medical ethics side of things mm-hmm. or a social ethics side of things. Man, we could have a whole podcast on this discussion. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should have one probably on like beauty standards of the 24th right. century. And the hot new incoming trends. Three-breasted cat women. <laughs> Are you yeah. hot enough for the look? <laughs> I mean, so, uh, you know, even just stepping away from the beauty standard side of thing, we had another Facebook comment from Mark about the science. So I'm going to read a bit of this and then maybe throw it over to Sue's science corner. Oh, wait, 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 which... wait, wait, wait. Can we, can we quickly do one more thing about beauty standards? Yes. Um, yes, beauty standard it up. I think my, my favorite part of Face of the Enemy and by favorite, I mean most ridiculous, is that the very end when they're in sickbay and, like, where it's implied that Crusher just finished the reconstructive surgery on Deanna to give her her own face back, she has a full face of makeup. <laughs> Maybe that's just Troy's face at this point. 
It's it's she a had, medical she had it laser on. Uh, or what do you call it? A dermal regenerator slash makeup applicator. <laughs> Handy. You can just burn the blush right into your face. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty great. <laughs> I also, I mean, it's handy that both of them had basically built on to them, but I also don't know how they got Troy's hair all back. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, that... They can have a dermal regenerator. They can have a, a hair regenerator. A hair grower. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking... It's like that Barbie or that doll from the early 90s that you would just crank its arm <laughs> and its ponytail would grow. Yeah. But is... So when Kira is a Cardassian, in the little... I guess indent in the forehead. Hers is like blue. Yeah, the women's. But you are see blue, that on a lot they? of the women. Yeah. I think it might actually just be a Cardassian women. But thing is that because... biological or is that makeup? Good like, question. I would be really curious to know if Cardassian women huh. like put color there as like instead of eyeshadow. I just remember hearing that they had it as like a visual marker for male and female Cardassians. For the females, they've got the spoon is blue, and one uh, one or two of the ridges on the neck are blue. Hmm. Ah, I had no. Okay, so, yeah, that's a a great question because I don't know. If anyone knows, you should write us an email and tell us, or post on our Facebook. Um, I I always assumed that it was a biological thing and not supposed to be makeup, but I could be wrong. It could be like a style. I like the idea of it in world being just a thing that's accentuated with makeup, like the way you darken your lips, uh, mm-hmm. even though they're naturally pink or red. Something like that. I just want mm-hmm. to see a bunch of Cardassian women in a Sephora, like trying on different shades. Oh, you guys, space Sephora. <laughs> oh my god. Sephora. <laughs> That's that is... the one on Kronos, right? Yes. That's where you can paint your lips with the blood of your enemies. <laughs> Although store-bought is fine. Uh, that's amazing. Um, so... Stepping back from the beauty standards aspect, there's another part of the cosmetic surgery thing we need to talk about, which is the science, which was brought up by Mark on Facebook. And then we'll throw it over to Sue's Science Corner. Oh, boy. Um, which, so Mark says, it still boggles me how deep cover agents are supposed to pass as different species. Blood chemistry, organ placement, body temperature, metabolism. It's a kind of adjustment that TV writers don't think about. But if you think about it in terms of how would a monitor lizard masquerade as a raccoon, <laughs> that puts it in a slightly more accurate context. Oh my the god, that'd be amazing though. The drama is top-notch though. and effective, and both episodes are excellently acted, but they both rely on cross-species surgical disguise, and that's where it defies belief for me. What if they did it again, but got into, like, the thing territory where they're like, okay, we got to do a blood test. Here's like, no, I am absolutely Craig the human. Very, very human. Indeed, am I. Baseball root beer America. <laughs> but I think the analogy he gives is actually a really good one because we know both the Romulans and the Cardassians to be, like, a little bit lizard based i mean more so the cardassians but they both like it's implied that they're both like a little bit cold-blooded that they both prefer prefer a warmer climate especially the cardassians with like how deep space nine was supposed to be all muggy and hot and nobody could handle it also wouldn't that mean they'd just be able to like do a scan of kira's internals to be like oh yep these are human intestines not cardassian Unless they can do plastic surgery on that, too. Right. They they didn't alter her DNA, which they say in the episode. 
Yeah. Yeah, but like all it would have taken is for one of them to get cut. Yeah. And you'd see that the internals would probably be different. Yeah. Or sorry, brown blood. The Cardassians have brown blood and presumably the Romulans have green blood as well. They always struck me as a little blue blooded personally. (laughs) I thought that they were like the Vulcans in that. I would assume so. Yeah. So, I mean, either way, it would be pretty easy to tell if just like someone accidentally, you know, slipped and cut their finger on something. That would have been a great reveal for Kira. Like, oh, well, let me just pass you this. Oops, I cut my hand. Look, red. And neither of them are inconvenienced or reacting to their surroundings. Like, Mm -hmm. it's presumably hotter and stuffier. Yeah. And Troy has no issues adjusting to that big bulky shoulder pad uniform. She's pretty much wearing a couch cover. I mean, Kira's used to hanging out in a Cardassian space station, but you'd think that she would have been less bothered by the climate on Deep Space Nine and things if she had just secretly been a Cardassian all along. Ooh, that would have been good. Uh, But yeah, it's really weird that no one thinks to just pick up a tricorder. Because, I mean, we know that tricorders can be like life signs. They're Kazon. So it would be pretty easy to just secret, like, scan someone or have the computer scan them. There's not a huge reason to have anybody do that in either of these episodes. Yeah. Like, they don't... Well, certainly not the second No, but it wouldn't be hard to do either. But there's also no reason, other than the commander being distrusting, there's no reason Mm -hmm. for her to believe that... Rakal is not an agent of the Tal Shiar. That would be pretty mm-hmm. great, though, if that one commander was just distrusting to everyone, like, that doesn't sound like Romulan talk. Test him for Romulan blood. <laughs> like, that's just their go-to of distrust. But if this is so easy, you'd expect them to test more people, honestly. Like, there could be spies anywhere all the time. Yeah, and the best they have is, like, Commander Trust being like, what's the secret password? <laughs> Password is swordfish. The password is always swordfish. <laughs> yeah, so um, Second Skin was originally supposed to be about O'Brien, and we were going to learn that he'd actually been a Cardassian since we first met him at the beginning of the That would have been amazing. Wait, so they were going to keep him Cardassian? Yeah. That would have been incredible, especially since he's so racist against Cardassians. Yeah, I mean, and I guess, like, Kira is too, but for very different reasons. Yeah. And I would say, like, you know, she, uh, she, I would say, like, O'Brien is almost more, like, well, they both are pretty, like, overtly racist at the beginning against yeah. Cardassians, but Kira is very much, like, operating of a place of actually having experienced very much oppression for, you know, many years yeah. instead of, you know, having been in a war, which is also bad, mm-hmm. but slightly different. Um... O'Brien was still working for, you know, a group of people that were not in the same position and had more choices yeah. than Kira's people did. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently they scrapped that idea because they couldn't explain how he would have had a human baby. That would have been a fun reveal, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's how they find out. I feel like people would have felt maybe almost as bad as they did with the Captain America Nazi subplot. plot. Oh. <laughs> I, I feel like there would have been some pretty angry Trekkies. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't, I think that there's a lot of definite, there are definitely a lot of World War II analogies done with Deep Space Nine, especially with the Bajorans and the Cardassians, but somehow it feels a little bit less like it would be a complete and total fist in the 
face as the Captain America thing was. Just for the sense that it was also created, uh, Captain America was created by a Jew as a way to talk about his frustration with anti-Semitism and that it's been a symbol for a long time of this thing. And I don't think it would be all that the same. It would be similar, but not on the same scale. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know. How would like how would you have felt after watching O'Brien on The Next Generation and then suddenly would you just been like, awesome? Uh, well, I would have known that on Deep Space Nine, they would have actually followed through with it and tried to have some explanation and actually made the character grow or expand somehow because of it and not inevitably pay the whole, oh, no, it was just a dream or whatever that you just know they're going to do Secret Empire and then they'll be like, haha, none of this was our fault now. You can't hold us accountable. No. You 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 still ugh. the whole making Magneto a Nazi thing that really stung. God. I am so sore over this right now. Ugh. Yeah, I mean you're right that it would have depended a lot on the handling that certainly you know, it would have been interesting to see how the rest of the crew would grapple with getting to know O'Brien again as a Cardassian um, and could have challenged these, you know, ideas that we see reinforced in Star Trek that, you know, race gives you innate character traits. That would have been really interesting to see explored also. Yeah. Um, so then after they changed it to be about Kira, the writer Robert Hewitt Wolf, who was very inspired by uh, Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep uh, when he was writing this episode, um, he wanted it at the end to be ambiguous whether Kira was actually a Cardassian or not, and wanted that to emphasize a message that our identity is based on experiences versus actual origins. And his quote was, she has been Kieran Reese. she may be the real Kieran Reese. she may be a replacement, but she's Kieran Reese now, and it doesn't really matter. Your identity is who you are. It doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter whether it's true or a lie. If you've lived it long enough, it's true. That's a phenomenal message. Yeah. I really like that. But it makes no practical sense. No, like, not exactly. really. The, the, I, well, For the reasons outlined previously. Right. Not the message makes no practical sense. The, like, outcome <laughs> of... Yeah, the science makes either. no sense. Right. You wouldn't be able to tell whether she was Bajoran or Cardassian. Unless they had been arguing there was some form of, like, genetic therapy or something. It would be pretty great, though, if they reached this resolution of, no, I'm Kira Norris. I can go home happy. She just walks into Bashir's like, oh, shh, we didn't notice that. Sorry. However, if they wanted to to do that with a character at some point and have that message, it would have made sense, you know, hypothetical episode, if it were, you know, we can't tell if this person is Romulan or Vulcan because the, the dissidents or the resistance movement or the reunification people have broke off and intermarried and et cetera, et cetera. So this person is both, you know. Yeah, and you could run into problems, too, with that as well, of just being, like, a little too... On the nose. <laughs> I guess, again, like, we're saying too... Well, I was going to say too, like, pat and easily, like, the things are too easily resolved mm -hmm. and happy. Like, well, I'm just a Bajoran because I've lived as a Bajoran long enough. Or, like, to go back to Grace's earlier example about space, quote, trans racism, which is a gross, like, miss... Uh, or transracial identity which is a you know kind of a misterm but Ugh. the idea 
that makes that problematic is that living a racial identity isn't just it, it's uh not just about like feeling a kinship with a culture it's about experiencing daily oppression mm-hmm. so in that sense it's correct to say that like this if you lived it long enough it's true like if you've lived that oppression for long enough but if you were in a situation where it was like just suddenly a relatively privileged Bajoran wakes up and is like yeah actually like I've you know, it turns out that I'm secretly feel like this other, you know, I'm secretly a Klingon. I kind of just feel like a Klingon. Then Klingons would probably have a right to question that. Right. Yeah. And I can't say I'd blame them too. Sorry, if that was not the most articulate example ever, <laughs> but. What... You were being very careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and it, I mean, there's a lot of interesting questions to be explored for sure. And it would have been neat to try to break down the nature nurture stuff a bit better than Star Trek usually does. Cause Star Trek does usually go the route of saying, well, like, yeah, we know human race doesn't mean anything anymore, but alien race definitely does. Uh, and uh, it would have been neat to see that challenged a little mm. bit. So similarly to uh, in second skin face of the enemy was actually supposed to be about crusher to begin with. Yeah. But then it was changed because they felt that they could fit in Troy's empathic abilities a bit better, which I mean, the story kind of hinges on her knowing that the freighter captain's lying. So right. that makes sense. And also, we just really were kind of wanting to get to see Troy do more. So Yeah, I mean, certainly they both could have stood to do more. But it was yeah. good to see Troy actually, like, have a practical use for the, the lie detector thing. <laughs> we didn't, we all didn't know the guy was lying. And it caused, like, the whole plan to have to change. Plus, you know, her ability to gauge what kinds of reactions... um, she's getting from acting very differently from her comfort zone. She has to be threatening and say actually really awful things about what she's going to do to everyone's families if they disobey her. And presumably she's getting a gut check on that by being able to read people's emotions. Uh And Crusher gets chain of command later this season. That's true, yeah. Ever since I found out about that, I have been wondering how that episode would have been different. So you want to mm-hmm. see this episode with Crusher, and I want to see the Deep Space Nine one with uh, O'Brien, just for right? funsies. Yeah. I want to hop over to that alternate universe for, like, just two hours. Fan fiction writers, <laughs> make it so. It especially boggles belief that O'Brien could have secretly been a Cardassian all along when he's been the transporter chief and has been, like, charge of biofilters. It would have been ironic, wouldn't it? Maybe he was programmed to sabotage the biofilters so it would never detect him. They programmed it so he kind of sucked at his job and never realized it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor O'Brien. He just can't catch a break in any dimension, can he? Just standing around all day waiting for somebody who needs to transport. (laughs) He's kind of like the toaster from Red Dwarf. Do you want some toast? I can make you some toast. Do you want to transport to the planet? Now we got a shuttlecraft. Oh, if if you're sure, okay. I'll just be here, <laughs> waiting, waiting. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So, um, other other thoughts on Face of the Enemy? Face of the Enemy is definitely. It's always going to be one of my top TNG episodes in the sense. Again, we get to see Troy do something. We get to see her get. To again, it was in both these episodes we get to see the actresses show their chops so well. But 
this is one where you really get to see the potential of all the things that could have been done uh, with Troy as a as not only a beta zoid, but also just as a character, had they made her, given her more of a proactive role. And it, and she does phenomenally. It's so cool to see her be getting to be action counselor and have a <laughs> battle of wits with the enemy. And it's, uh, it feels so right and so good. And I wish there was more of it. I wish she'd gotten there faster. I yeah. feel like I understand mm-hmm. that she's distrusting of what's going on around her and, very unsure but like i i wish the timidness timidity something um had had dissipated faster and got and she'd gotten to that forceful like tal shiar stronghold a little bit quicker frankly after seeing marina serdis speak in person and getting a feel for her personality i don't believe it now anytime i see troy being timid right (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't feel right anymore but I mean, I have a couple issues with just the logic behind Face of the Enemy. Yeah. <laughs> In the sense of like... Spock kind of messed this one up. Yeah, Starfleet <laughs> is presumably in communication with Spock at least some point, or his group of people. Like, why was Troy kidnapped and given surgery without consent and not yeah, told did what they was think going she would on? Say no? Why did... Nobody report her missing from this conference. That's really horrible, too. The fact that she gets back, she's like, oh, thank God, I'm yeah. okay. And they're like, oh, were you gone? The Enterprise just shows up and they're like, oh, I guess you're here now and not at your conference. Okay. But, like, they just as easily could have just ordered her on this mission. There's no reason for the kidnapping and the non-consensual surgery. I guess they just wanted to do it so they could have that reveal opening scene. Yeah, they get to the reveal a lot faster than Second Skin, which starts out with that, you know, Kira maybe isn't going to show up to hang out on the Hollow Sweeps with Dax. And that's like, it's kind of a fun little exchange. It's good to see them doing friend stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes longer for her to get abducted and find out that she might be Cardassian. I mean, I guess the only logical explanation is Troy wasn't really at a conference. It was the secret mission all along. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I was just thinking she was at something she didn't want to tell the Enterprise of the Federation about. So she like, it was like, it's like when you go to your friend's house for a sleepover or like you say you tell your parents you're going to a friend's house for a sleepover, but then you actually go to your boyfriend's house. Are you saying she was meeting up with Tom? (laughs) Uh, maybe <laughs> or m- I'd like to think that's, she was... that's just the phrase she uses for a lot of things uh excuse me I gotta go meet up with Tom for a minute are you talking about Thomas Riker? yeah I thought we were yeah yes <laughs> maybe the guy from Haven realized he actually wasn't meant to be with blonde lady <laughs> from his dreams and he's been oh. seeing Troy on the side no that's a that would not make it any better I'm gonna make meeting with Tom a euphemism now. <laughs> uh, well, yes. So, yeah, it does. And, like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't just, like, take her aside at the conference. You know, maybe they don't want the Enterprise to know for some reason because the mission is that top secret. That So they take her aside at the conference. They're like, hey, we have a super top secret mission from you. How would you feel be- about being a Romulan for a week? I think she would be, be like, super down for that. Yeah. Well, 
she says, why did you kidnap me? And he says, well, you might have said no. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, that's reasonable. (laughs) No, don't be okay with people being kidnap happy. Just don't take any of that. That is never a good reason. No. Yes. Never a good reason. Man. Yeah. And then it really does all rely on her being able to tell whether or not the freighter captain is lying. Because then what were they going to, how are they going to get her back if they just handed off the cargo to the freighter captain and then the freighter handed off the cargo to the Enterprise and how are they going to get her back? And they never really explained that part. You know, frankly, I don't have a lot of faith in their plan. Or at least the planning that went into it. It was a pretty yeah. plan Luckily, plan. like the all the scenes with her and Tereth just make up for it. Yeah. It's this this episode has got some good, good, good That dinner party. Yes. Yeah. That's a spicy Romulan meatball. <laughs> I do love that she has no idea which dish the commander is talking about. Yes. And then <laughs> just plays it off. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Or, like, what professor she had at the academy or mm-hmm. whatever. And I also kind of, like, I like how Picard doesn't let her be really just, like, overly modest about the role that she played in it at the end. Where she's just like, oh, it was all what's-his-name buddy that died who did it. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, he's just like, well, you both did it. You know, I think we all want one of our misadventures to end with Patrick Stewart saying, no, you kicked some ass there. It was rad as hell. <laughs> yes. That's all, that's all we really need at the end of some days. Exactly. Yeah, we should just, we should hire a Patrick Stewart impersonator and just get him to say, you really kicked some ass today, and then you can just play it. (laughs) Am I not good enough for you? Well, we can, okay, we'll train you up, and then you can do it. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna shave my head and go to Patrick Stewart school. (laughs) Nice. Well, you know, you're you're starting uh, several years behind him, so you can uh, get some time to catch up. I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. One thing that I didn't mention about Second Skin is that, uh, again, the writer, uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf, felt that the theme was basically for that episode was Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover and talks about how um, he tried to build in layers of different people wearing a second skin. So there's Kira, but then there's also uh, to Kenny Gamore, who's supposedly supporting the government but opposing the government at the same time there's the defiant that's being camouflaged as a freighter there's garrick that is more of a spy than people thought Mm -hmm. there's cisco he says cisco looks like a coberian captain and odo looks like a bag (laughs) (laughs) looks like a bag so yeah he's he's feeling glad he's sunshine in a bag so I appreciated that. So I definitely say the episodes have different messages because I don't think the message of Face of the Enemy is don't judge a book by its no. cover. What is the message of Face of the Enemy? Don't kidnap people. It's really <laughs> freaking rude. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, <laughs> let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> oh. Empaths get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> Messages follow your dreams. <laughs> Whatever it was, I liked yeah, it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Do, should we rate these episodes? Do we have any final thoughts before we move to rating? Uh, both very good. Both uh, taking a different handle on pretty much the same plot, but going in different directions with it and both doing it well. I think this is a standard sentiment whenever we talk about 
traumatic experiences for our women characters. I wish we had some kind of follow up. Yeah, at that some would be point nice. In the future, either of them mentioning, "Hey, remember that time I was a Cardassian? That was messed well, up." Well, we do kind of get some. Um, we get the Legate comes back a few times in Deep Space Nine, doesn't he? Yes, he definitely comes back. But we don't really get Kira or Troy reflecting on this this experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see either of them really deal with the experience of being abducted and altered and thrown into the situation. To be fair, we don't see a lot of things followed up on in Star Trek. Right. Well, that's to my point before. We're still in the era of serialized TV. (laughs) (laughs) But Jared, do you have any final comments on these two episodes? No, not more than I've already said. But uh, if we wanted to rate them, we could rate them. Let's do it. I give them... Six out of ten powdered spoons and eight out of eight oversized shoulder pads. <laughs> six out of six and eight out of eight? Yeah, six out of six, eight out of eight. Wow, okay. Those are good ratings. I really like both episodes. <laughs> yeah. I will give them nine out of ten co-workers with whom one deserves to share credit oh, equally. <laughs> very nice. At least. You deserve credit for that. I would really love my rating to be non-consensual surgeries, but that's a bad thing. (laughs) It should be like negative, negative 50. Negative 10 non-consensual surgeries. Yes. (laughs) Oh Oh dear. That might not be how math works. Oh, that's horrifying. (laughs) It's how math works if I say it is... (laughs) That how grammar Certainly works. Certainly none of us know any better. <laughs> Not wow. <even> beer grace. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I think that wraps it up for us tonight. Grace, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter of all places at at BoneCrusherJank. And Jarrah? You can find me on Twitter at JarrahPenguin or on Tumblr at TrekkieFeminist.tumblr.com. And I am on Twitter at Speltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R. If you want to reach us as a show, as a whole, you can do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash Women at Warp, or on Twitter, at Women at Warp. You can also send us an email at crew at women at warp.com, or visit our website and blog at women at warp.com. And finally, for more from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including the latest from Priority One and Mission Log, head over to podcasts.roddenberry.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.